Today, we're going to continue talking about worship, and I've been talking last week, I started kind of dialing down on this issue of presence, because again, we cannot talk about worship if we don't talk about presence. The presence of God is, is what I want to continue looking at today. Now, for those of you who maybe were here last week, and for those of you today, uh, you may wonder, you know, why I'm going through the Bible systematically to see how God has shown himself to us. He's shown himself to be real. And, and the reason I'm, I want to look at the Bible and I'm pulling out lots of scriptures and I'm hitting familiar stories that we've all read a hundred times, I get it. But I, I want to make sure all of us have a solid theological foundation for the presence of God. The presence of God in our lives. And, and I'll just let you in my brain for just a moment. Not that this whole talk isn't about what's in my brain. Obviously it is. Um, and some of you are scared to be in there. I understand. I too, sometimes. But listen, when I'm, when I'm writing my messages, when I'm writing my sermon, I usually have a person in my head. It may be one of you specifically because you need something specific. <laughs> no. I, but I do have maybe a, 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 a condition of a person or a thinking of a person or an attitude of a, of a specific kind of person when I write my message because I want to speak to that person. Really make sure I'm clearly speaking to that person. And everybody else that's not that person, I know you'll get something awesome as well. But when I'm writing... You know, this specific part of my message, I, I have a specific type of person in my mind. And the person that I am primarily thinking about is the man or woman, be it young man, young woman, or anything in between. I am thinking about this person who comes to church and they're sitting in their seat. And week after week, they just sit with their arms crossed. Well, we're all up here singing our hearts out. Hardly singing a word, rarely experiencing the presence of God. That's the person I'm putting this message together for. Because I am passionate to see people experience the presence of God. Amen. And listen, I hurt when I look out over you guys during worship and I see people not engaging with God, I hurt. It hurts me when I see people up here in the front chatting about their weekend. <laughs> How's it going? They're here for each other. I need to catch up. That hurts my heart. Instead of giving our attention to the very God who gave us the breath of life that you're using to talk about what you did Saturday night. Sometimes I, I, I can really identify with the Apostle Paul sometimes when he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, he says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. 
I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Now he's not just talking about natural virginity. He's talking about our spirit, our heart. One lover. One who gets all of your attention. I promised you to one So when I think about people who don't experience the presence of God, I hurt. And that pain leads me to prove to everyone who will listen that God is a God who encounters everyone. And so if you're listening to me right now and you believe you can't experience God's presence, I have to tell you that's a lie. There are no special people who are more privileged than you when it comes to feeling God's tangible presence. God does not play favorites when it comes to feeling His amazing embrace. Now, I will say that there can be obstacles when it comes to you or me feeling the tangible presence of God. And I'm going to continue talking about, I'm going to get to that stuff. I'm going to address those obstacles in my next few messages. But last week and today, I'm going to deal with the obstacle of ignorance. Now please, remember, ignorance is not an insult. (laughs) I know we've turned it into one. You're ignorant. I is not. No, ignorance is just the state of not knowing something. That's all it is. And as I thought about how to teach on worship, I distinctly felt like the Holy Spirit showed me that there are people who come to church and who do not believe that they can feel the presence of God. And whether it's, be, it's, it's been your religious past that tells you God and emotions don't mix, or, or you know maybe it's the orphan spirit that's been deceiving you into seeing God like He's some kind of deadbeat dad that never comes around. Or maybe He's just a distant God who doesn't really care much for us here on planet Earth. Well, I have to tell you, those are lies. He's not distant. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's right here. And the way that I'm going to show us, and I'm proving that to us, is that our Bibles have told us otherwise. So what are you going to believe? Are you going to listen to the religious traditions of men? Or are you going to believe your Bible? And I realize that what I said last week and probably some of what I'm going to say today may seem common knowledge and mundane. Well, listen, my friend Tina Lenz encouraged me last week. 
Because this is what she said when I was telling her how I felt. She says, I don't care how many times I've heard the same message. I can always receive something new from the Holy Spirit. And I said, sounds good to me. So listen, I am extending my faith that the word of God will not return void. And I'm asking you to extend your faith that you will hear something powerful through the Holy Spirit in me. And I love even what Eric Morgan shared last time he shared. He said that by faith he believed that people would be healed as he preached the Bible. So I just come in agreement with that statement. You know? As I, so, so as I'm sharing the Bible this morning, just feel free at any time to get healed. Feel, feel free to be delivered. You know, I just, I ask that you don't scream too loudly as the demons leave your body. I don't want you freaking out your neighbor. Please don't startle them. There's small children maybe still in the room. But listen, if you need a Bible verse for this, let me give you Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. And they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Yeah. Matthew 8, 14. More good stuff. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she rose and began to serve him. And that evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. With a word, Jesus cast out spirits and he healed the sick. So I believe that the word, the message that I'm going to share today could be the word that heals or delivers you. So last week I shared many examples of how God displayed his tangible presence when it comes to fire and clouds. Show me your glory, right? I mean, that's the kind of stuff... We're looking for, we're looking for God and all and, and how he displays himself through fire and through clouds. And we, we looked at all the way, you know, from the fire at the burning bush where he's talking to Moses to the fire that we saw on Mount Sinai to the, the pillar of smoke that stood in front of the tent of meeting to the cloud that, that um, sheltered Israel in the desert. We saw the cloud of glory that filled the whole temple. It caused the priests to not even be able to stand up. They couldn't even handle the power and the weight of the glory of God. We looked all the way till we saw the fire in the eyes of Jesus in Revelation. God has encountered his people through fire, through cloud, through smoke. But today I want to talk about Theophanies. Everybody say theophany. Theophany. I'm going to tell you. Patience. Theophany 
is a term that does not exist in your Bible. Just like we looked at Shekinah last week. It's not in there. Theophany does not exist in the Bible, but it does describe the encounters that God has with humans when He shows Himself in a real, tangible form. Sometimes it's human and bodily. So when God encounters people, that is called a theophany. And theophany is, again, the appearance or the manifestation of God. And it is a compound word derived from a Greek noun, meaning for God, which is theos. Everybody say theos is the Greek word for God. And then we have the other Greek word, fanny, which means a small pouch worn around the waist to hold your keys and sunglasses while you're at King's Island. No, that's, that's, not, that's not it. The Lord that girds my waist, I guess, is what theophany means, right? No, 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 it's not a... Theophany, again, here we go. Theophany is a compound word from the Greek noun for God, theos, and the Greek verb, phano, which means to appear. So theophany is the appearance of God. Now in the Bible, there are roughly five kinds of theophany that we can see. And one kind we've already looked at, fire and smoke, clouds, that kind of stuff. God appearing in fire, God appearing in the clouds. And that's a theophany. But there's some others that we want to I want to just expose us to so that we can see this is how God can and will encounter us if we, if we want Him to. So another kind of theophany is in a vision. So we have God appearing in a vision as one of the major ways that He has revealed Himself throughout history. We've got prophets like Isaiah, We've got Ezekiel, we've even got Daniel, and they, all of these guys had these really profound visions of God himself. Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. Who would love that one? Give me that one, God. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. And each of these guys had six wings. With two he covered his face, and two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And they called to one another, and they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I sign up for this one, Jesus. This is one I want. But also Daniel, he had one in chapter 7, verse 9. It says, as I looked, thrones were placed. And here comes the Ancient of Days, and he took his seat. And his clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. And his throne was fiery flames, and its wheels were burning fire. 
might have been in a heavenly go-kart. I want that one, Lord. I'd like to see that. And then we, we have Jacob. He, he gets sent off by his father Isaac to Padan Aram to find a wife. And so um, on his journey, Jacob stops for the night, and it's the sun setting, so it's time for bed, and finds a good rock to lay his head on, and goes nighty-night. Well, while he has this sleep, he gets a dream. He gets to see the Lord. Genesis 28, and verse 11. And he came to a certain place, and he stared, stayed there that night, because the sun had set. And taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. Does anybody dream? Dreamers? Like, I dream a lot. Anybody who doesn't dream? That would like to have dreams from God? Anybody? Just raise your hand, seriously, if you'd like to hear, hear, hear more dreams from God. So, Father, right now, because I'm a dreamer, I dream with Jesus a lot. I had one last night. It was great, I think. <laughs> but right now, God, we just release more dreams. More dreams, God, and more night visions on those who would love to encounter you, God, in the night, in their dreams. God, you come and you speak to these people who have said, yes, with their hand raised high, God. I just release that anointing, that encounter on us today that we would dream a dream that we would see you God that we would experience you that you would begin to talk to us about our future our past our present God that you would reveal your will that you would reveal your character God that you would not waste let, let us waste any time why waste eight hours <laughs> and doing nothing but just resting God come on and encounter us in Jesus name amen so he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. So God's encountering Jacob, and he's, he's showing him something about his future. And so, okay, so if you have nightmares, you know, you have the bad stuff. You don't want those dreams. Let's, let's just pray for that. I just felt the Lord say, Someone's, people have nightmares. You're having some night terrors. You're seeing stuff you don't want to see. So right now, Father, we just, we release healing God, we rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. If that's you, if you have nightmares or you've got kids who's having nightmares, just lift your hands and receive. If you're having nightmares or your children are, Father, we right now we release peace, shalom of God to come into these homes. 
We release, God, the spirit of, of peace, God, the spirit of power. God, we rebuke the devourer. We rebuke the night terror. We rebuke the nightmare, God. We rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus, God. We break its powers from our lives and the lives of our children tonight, God. We just say, enough is enough. My mind is healed and it is filled with the peace of God. Right now, we receive that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We've even got a really selfish, dumb prophet named Balaam. Self-seeking. Even he was allowed to see the Lord in a vision. In Numbers 24, in verse 1. When Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go, as at other times, to, take for, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. And Balaam lifted up his eyes and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he took up his discourse and said, The oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down and his eyes uncovered. Even Balaam got to see the Lord. So where, are your, where is your faith when it comes to seeing God? Are you allowing your mess-ups are you allowing your, I didn't, you know, I'm not good enough for that kind of stuff. Are you allowing that kind of lie keep you from seeing the Lord in your life? God wants you to see him. He wants us to encounter him. I think we spend so much time seeing how the enemy's working in our lives. We, we focus on how he's messing this thing up and he's messing that up and he's, my kids are jacked up and my marriage is jacked up and my job's jacked up and my drug addiction's all out of whack and I just see how I have a great vision of the enemy working in my life. I paint it well. Lots of colors and strokes and detail. Where's the vision of God? Do you see the Lord high and lifted up in your life? Is He on a throne that you've come to to worship? Do you look for Him? Where are you, God? Where are you messing with my life in a good way? Or are we fixated on the enemy? Well, things aren't the way they should. Enemies, He's oppressing, isn't He? He's fighting us. He's wearing us out. Oh gosh, things don't feel good. We've got a great vision of that. Stop it. Amen. Just quit. See the Lord. He wants to encounter us. He wants our holy imaginations tied to the vision of His glory in our lives. God uses visions for us to be able to experience Him in a very tangible way. Amen? Amen. Sometimes another theophany that we can see 
in the scriptures is God shows up in human form. Like as real as I am to you. In fact, when we look at Exodus 24.10, we can say that without a question, that this theophany that's involved, you know, has the appearance of a human being when we see his feet. Exodus 24, verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. Genesis 32, we read a story of Jacob wrestling with a man. Now, this wasn't a dream. It wasn't the dreamy, you know, he was dreaming and pretty good. This is like real life. This is not metaphorical. Jacob is literally wrestling with the man. And he testifies after he has this wrestling match. He's like, I've seen God face to face. Genesis 32 and verse 30. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. We've got up on Mount Horeb. Moses has been up there and hanging out with God's glory and the fire and the smoke that everybody sees down in the valley. And they're freaking out. And Moses is just like, yeah, this is amazing. Right? And so, so when it's just about over, Moses, like he's got a lot of boldness because, you know, I'm in, I've been in God's presence for like days. And I got some courage going on, and <laughs> I know I'm special in his heart and all this stuff. You know, there was this place that he pe- played in God's heart, and he, 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 he says, God, I'm, I want to plead with you. Show me. Show me your glory. And so we see in Exodus 33 and verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, he says, this very thing you've spoken I will do. That's how God wants to encounter us. He says, will you ask for something? This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. So Moses, if you want to turn into toast, I'll show you the whole deal, but I think I need you to do some stuff. (laughs) But, you know, there is a place, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then I will take my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. God shows up when we ask him to.
We can think even to the examples of after Jesus had, was crucified and raised from the dead and walking down the road and he's talking to a couple of guys and they don't really get who he is until he starts teaching them. He starts bringing the Bible to them and he starts breaking open the word. And then what happened? Their eyes got open and then he's gone. And they realize, well, that was him. I was getting all hot and bothered when his preaching started. Man, I couldn't. I was like, what, my heart burning? Your heart was burning, right? God comes to us sometimes in flesh and blood. Now, I know we don't have lots of those examples, but there are, they're out there. We mostly assume it's angels, you know, angels unaware. An angel come up and encounter you. I know people who encountered a person and did something amazing and then that person was gone in a second. Amen. <laughs> Even our phones will declare the glory of God. So I'm going I'm to take these next two type of theophanies and I'm going to kind of combine them because they're kind of unusual, but they're still, they're still here. Um, the next two type of theophanies are um, what the Bible calls the angel of the Lord and the name of the Lord. And so, going back to the burning bush, you know, Moses is there, God encounters him, gives him his, his commission. And so, we have, you know, Yahweh, God, through Moses, delivers Israel out of Egypt. And then Moses, he leads them to Sinai to meet with their God. They get the law and they prepare for this journey to the promised land. And, and as that happens, there's this short conversation between God and Moses about this task of getting to the promised land. And I think it's, it's habitually looked over when we read our Bibles. So let's look at it. Exodus 23, verse 20. Behold... I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice <coughs> and do all that I say, then... I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. So, here's what Dr. Michael Heiser says in his book, The Unseen Realm. He says, There's something strange about God's description to Moses that tells us that this is no ordinary angel. This angel has the authority to pardon sins or not. 
a status that belongs to God alone. More specifically, God tells Moses that the reason the angel, the reason this angel has this authority is my name is in him. So what does this curious phrase mean? Well, Moses knew what God was saying instantly because of what Moses had experienced at the burning bush. So when God is telling Moses that his name was in this angel, he was saying that he himself was in the angel. His very essence, the presence of God is in this angel. It's the I am of the burning bush who who showed up in that bush is now going to accompany Moses and the Israelites to the promised land and he's going to fight for them. And he had to do this because only God was going to be able to defeat these gods that are in this land. Only God was going to be able to to fight uh, the descendants of the Nephilim. Because that's the giants, right? Remember that? Giants were in the land. Moses and Joshua were going to have to take them out. So this angel, it is the angel of the Lord. It is Yahweh. So let's, Leviticus 11.45. Because we have other passages that confirm that this angel is Yahweh. 11.45. For I am the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Who brought them up? The Lord did. Right? After we just heard that the angel was going to do it, now we've got the Lord saying, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Joshua 24, verse 17. For it is the Lord... Our God, who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord, the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 36. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. And on earth let you see his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his very own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you, to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as is this day. And then Judges 2.1. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Boshim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So in these passages, there is this interchange of Yahweh, 
the angel of Yahweh in the presence of God. All of which are the identity of the divine deliverer of Israel. These weren't three different deliverers like, hey, I'm tired, angel, you go, presence, you go down this day, I'll show up personally. It's not three different deliverers, they are all the same. One of them, the angel, takes human form. And if we read Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37, in light of Exodus 23, then the presence and the angel are co-identified. And it makes good sense that because the name was in the angel, right? The name of God is a personification of God. It's not just his name. We have in other passages the name functions as a substitute for Yahweh. Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 27. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger. In thick rising smoke, his lips are full of fury and his tongue is like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream that reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of destruction and to place in the jaws of the peoples a bridle that leads astray. So the name, the name, this, this description of Yahweh clearly is as a personification, is a, is a form of Yahweh himself. Psalm 20 verse 1 makes this very explicit. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God of Jacob protect you. Psalm 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Now, how is it that this psalmist would pray that the name would protect anyone? I mean, these Israelites are not going to get much protection from a string of consonants and vowels. The whole point of this psalm is that trusting in the name means trusting in Yahweh himself. He is the name. I love what Deuteronomy has to say about the name, especially in respect to the name being the very presence of God, which is what we're talking about, that resides in the tabernacle, it's in the holy city, and eventually it's in the temple. Deuteronomy 12, verse 2. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains, and on the hills and under every green tree. Skip to verse 4. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of your tribes to put His name to make His habitation there. And there you shall go. Skip to verse 11. Then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make His name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you, 
your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes and contributions that you present, and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. So we have the name, we have the angel, we have the human appearances, the visions, the fire, the clouds. All of these are tangible evidence that God is with his people. All of these theophanies are representations of God's presence. You know, even the word presence itself has meaning. Many times when we read that word presence in Scripture, it is the word pane. Pane means face. So when we read that the presence of God was, was with Israel, it can read that the face of God was with Israel. And presence is used to represent the Hebrew word face. And when face gets conjoined with a preposition, then it means in the presence of that. In the Bible, it's understood that a man's personality and character are made visible on his face. So, so when you look at a man's face, you're looking at that man. The man's face is that man. Job 42, verse 9, it says, Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophor went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Now, the literal translation of that last part of that scripture is, the Lord accepted the face of Job. Job's face was Job. Even when we read in Isaiah 63, verse 9, it says, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So again, another way we can interpret the angel of his presence can also mean the angel who is his face. Another very powerful thought, uh, the face of God is also the revelation of the grace of God. So, in other words, when we read in the Bible that God hides his face, we understand that the scriptures are telling us that God is withholding his grace. But when he makes his face shine... Then we experience blessing, we get victory, the grace of God is upon us. In Psalm 44, verse 3, it says, For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm, and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. So what are we learning? 
The face of God is the presence of God. And the presence of God is the face of God. The battle for worship is not going to be fought and won in your own strength. I mean, we just read in Psalm 44 that Israel did not win the promised land by their own hand. They gained the victory because the face of God was with them. And the face means what? Presence. Say the f- everybody say that. Say the face of God means the presence of God. They gained victory because the face of God was with them. The presence of God was the winning factor in conquering giants in their land. If you feel like you've been fighting without the presence of God, if you're not making the pursuit of God's presence your number one priority, then just all you have to do is repent right now. Just to do it, just between you and him, just say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, forgive me. Forgive me, God, for fighting alone, for fighting without your presence. Forgive me for pursuing comfort over your presence, God. Entertainment over your presence. Forgive us, God. Strengthen us in our inner man, Father, to turn to turn away from the lust of the flesh and to turn our hearts to you. Turn our passion to you, God. Let our hearts burn with passion for you, for your presence, God. Forgive us, Jesus. Now, I just want to pray a blessing over us. I want to ask God to shine his face upon us as we repent and turn our hearts to the presence of God. And there's this wonderful prayer in Numbers chapter 6. It says, The Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So let's just stand up, everybody, and if you want to receive this, just lift your hands out to receive. As I pray this over, everybody, just receive this from the Lord. In fact, why don't you just pray it after me? Say, Lord, I ask that you bless and keep me. O Lord, Please make your face to shine upon me and be gracious to me. Oh Lord, I ask that you would turn your face 
towards me and give me peace. And let's just throw in some Jabez prayer. Oh Lord, please bless me and enlarge my borders. Father, I ask that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil so that it might not bring me pain. In Jesus' name, amen.